0: online campus we're glad you're here too um i'm joel i am the connect pastor and you are here in the finale of the follow series so whether it's your first or your fourth week we're glad that you're here for that um we want you to be involved we're doing this definition of a disciple and we're taking it from jesus's invitation the the, the definition's right there in the invitation when he invites them in mark 1:17, he said to them Follow me, and I will make you become, in the English Standard Version, fishers of men. And so, from that, we can decipher that Jesus' followers should follow him, they should be being changed by him, and they should be doing the things he wants them to do, be on mission with them. So, last week, we talked all about transformation. We tried to paint a picture of what being changed by Jesus can look like. And um, and we really want to hit on the point that where's all the heavy lifting of change? Where, where does that come from? Is that your effort? No, that, that effort is done. That, that is by the grace of God. That is by the works of God, amen? So, being changed by him, that's his job. Today, what we really want to wrap things up with is just this natural, organic movement of God that's going to naturally happen unless, unless something jumps in and stops it. Um, what, what will naturally happen next? For example, you guys have all kinds of things like this in your life. Unless you are like the super specialist cleaner in the whole world, what, what will definitely happen every time that you do a load of laundry and pull it out of the dryer is that there will be socks that don't match up. No matter, like no matter, unless you change something, that's going to happen every time. What, what's going to happen if you decide after work one day that you need to get gas, but you don't go get it? The next day, gas is going to jump in price, right? Yeah, I'm convinced my wife is determined to find the most expensive gallon of gas that she can find. <laughs> She's convinced I care too much about saving $1. ten on a fill-up. That, that'll just happen, right? You can count on it. Um, more things you can count on is that if you don't, like, put plans into place, you will naturally become like your parents. Yeah, that's going to happen. In fact, that is the basis for one of the best and funniest commercial series of all time. Amen? Yes. Yeah. You even, I don't even have to put the picture up there, but we will. This is Dr. Rick protecting you from becoming your parents. And we all have some favorite lines from those commercials. And if it wasn't for those Facebook bots that, that would have caught us, we would have shown you one of those commercials. But the most recent one is him at a book signing. Have you seen this one? People, people stand in a line where he's, get, he's, ha- he's handing out and autographing books, and, and uh, somebody comes up with holding one of his mugs, and he, and he asks him, how low would you go on one of these mugs? <laughs> Remember, we don't haggle at stores. And the guy's like, oh, yeah, yeah, chapter six. Yeah. <laughs> Another guy comes through the line, like, hey, I wonder if I can get your John Hancock on this book. <laughs> It's so much funnier when he does it. We we just we just say signature. Yeah, and uh, and he has this really great line right after that um, in the commercial. It's just too perfect for what we're trying to do today. He says they may have read the book, but they still have a long way to go. They may have read the book, but they still have a long way to go. That's us. By the grace of God, we are here. We still got a long way to go, but we want to talk about what will naturally happen. Um, If we continue to be followers of jesus that are changed by him and are on mission with him And what what's gonna happen is that you're probably gonna think man There's some big problems like first of all so many of us just Really don't know what jesus meant and when he told his followers on the last thing that he told them was go and make disciples of all nations We're like what do you that sounds great, but what does that mean? Hopefully you've got an even clearer definition of what that means though Just from uh, what we've been talking about in this series right with that the invitation. What is it? Somebody who is following Jesus. Someone who is being changed by Jesus. And somebody who is on mission with Jesus. Yeah, that, that gives us something a little bit more concrete to hold on to, I think. But another problem I see myself and a lot of people struggling with is that Jesus gave us a lot of things to do. He, he gave us lots of good instructions, but there's still, it's just too much to focus on all the time. And that's why when... When I really like came to this understanding of what Jesus meant by go and make disciples and how that kind of fits into the whole Christian life, it unlocked a lot of stuff for me. I think this illustration video of like disciple-making being like building a house is helpful, so I wanted to show it to you one more time.
1: Let's think about disciple-making as building a house. There are a lot of different parts that go into making up a house, and you need every single one of them to make a house. We can talk about the walls being hospitality to strangers, or foundation being teaching the Bible. The roof can be prayer and evangelism, and the windows could be serving others. The door could be giving and the fence for giving, but let's not get too lost in the analogy. Jesus taught us to do all of these things, and the house needs all of those parts, but it's all the house of disciple-making. So you, being a follower, help someone else be a follower. See, you're doing what Jesus commands while someone watches you do it. And then by doing that, they learn how to do it by watching you so they can teach someone else who can teach someone else. And that is Jesus-style disciple-making. So what
0: we really wanna get across today and what I hope comes out of it is just, just a few people online or just a couple people after service or meeting up on the Zoom call tomorrow, just a couple people are like, yeah, I, I, I'm getting this and I want to get it more. I, I want to talk about this more. This is, this is not going to be done just in a sermon or, or in, in one, one setting, but it's going to be a whole life transformation, right? But here's the encouraging thing. This is, this is something that you should know today is that you are capable, with the Spirit's power, you are capable to make other followers of Jesus. In fact, that's probably scary, that's more than encouraging, that you're capable. But here's the thing, not only are you capable, but but the truth is that it's only natural for followers of Jesus to make more followers of Jesus. That's what will naturally happen if things do not block and get in the way. I think we have this misconception that sharing our lives with others and um, sharing our story with unbelievers and and intentionally investing in other people is something that, that really is the next step in Christianity. That's for the super Christians. Or maybe, maybe you think that's only for pastors to do. And it's not. It's the, it's the one step. It's the main step. It's what we're here. It's, it's what's natural. I had the weirdest medical thing happen to me this June. I woke up one day, and I, I thought it was from, like, playing a pickup game of soccer. Um, and I just, like, overdone myself. I was like, I can't breathing heavy, and, like, I, if I went out and mowed my front yard, it only took, like, a half an hour, It normally wouldn't be a problem, but, like, I would just be, like, gassed, like, I'd have to, like, lay down and close my eyes to be able to, to keep going during the day, and, um, things hurt. Again, for, I admit, for a day or so, I thought this is just me getting old, this is me being out of shape, and this is just from overworking myself the day before. I admit, I thought that there wasn't a problem at first, uh, but then, as the day's kept going and I wasn't getting any better that's when I started to realize oh man this is weird when my girls like touch my joints it like hurts on the skin it was it was the weirdest thing but that's not the important part the important part is that when I realized that I had a problem I went to see a physician right and and the doctor's like yeah you got all kinds of inflammation markers and stuff like that they gave me steroids and in 12 hours I felt like I was superman (laughs) like steroids are good stuff but the thing, that's, the main point isn't my weird virus-caused illness or whatever that was taken care of, thankfully, just by some steroids. The main thing is that I didn't just sit there in, in that newfound pain and, and weirdness and think, oh, well, I guess this is the new healthy. <laughs> no, I went, I went and got answers. The same is true of the Christian life. It, it's natural to be like Jesus if you're trying to be his follower, and it's natural then to become like him, and what will naturally occur after that is that you will make and reproduce. It's the same. We look around all of God's creation. You look at, at plants and, and crops and animals and humans. Reproduction is natural. And I don't really want to get in like biology and anatomy and stuff like that with you guys. Uh, you need to go talk to your parents if you need the sex talk. Amen. Call call them. All right, but. Just surface level. What will naturally, which what will we naturally expect when a husband and wife have been together for a while? If less precautions are taken, they will, yeah, reproduce. That's what we would naturally expect. So much so that when it doesn't happen, it hurts, and people are heartbroken. And Melissa and I have our own story of going through the better part of five years of infertility, and that was tough. But we didn't sit there and be like, well, I guess this is for other people and not for us. No, we knew that there was a problem, so we went and saw doctors, we took tests, we had medicine, we got help. Church, you gotta know that it is only natural that followers of Jesus will make more followers of Jesus. And if that's not happening, then something is wrong. And that's really where we get to like, we can identify the problem. We can see where so much of the spiritual ailments that we as a people and as individuals and as a country are feeling stem from so much of this and that it's even exhibited right here i'm telling you i'm showing you from scripture and from jesus's example that followers of jesus are supposed to make more followers of jesus but how many of you have been poured into and discipled you that's actually a legitimate question online campus and here how many of you have been um intentionally spiritually mentored by somebody that's about the percentage I was expecting. There's a handful of us, maybe if one or two more that, that didn't raise their hand. But even those of us who have been given the thing that was supposed to naturally happen for us, even those of us who have been given that, I bet we are like, oh, I wish I had a lot more of that. I could have benefited from a lot more of that. That, that felt right. I could see myself growing in that environment. So this is... This is why we've got an issue here. Take a look at this uh, visual of spiritual maturity. It's, it's interesting how it can mirror just human growth. But at some point, we were all dead in our sin. And at some point in our life, or before our life, we were not alive. And when we became alive, we, uh, we were ignorant. And, and as, we, as we were young, we were self-involved and self-centered. And, and as we grow up, hopefully we become more other people-centered. And, and this is where so many of us are, man. If you're somewhere in your walk with Jesus, um, you got to know this, that there's no better stage up there. Yes, you, we are all intended to go through the process, but there's no one better stage. I can, I can prove it to you. How many of you or can, can give me an answer to the question of, at what point in your kids' development did you love them the most? <laughs> I didn't ask you at what point did you like the most, which one were the cutest in. I asked you which one did you love them the most in. And the answer is obviously for all of us that we love them through all of them. There's, there's pluses and minuses to those different states, but we love them through all of them. And the same is true for your Father in heaven. He, he loves you no matter where you are, and He also doesn't want to leave you there. And, and ideally, if you are somewhere where you have uh, spiritual shortcomings and you're spiritually self-centered and stuff like that you the ideal is that you have somebody who's a young adult or a spiritual parent who comes alongside you and say hey um let me show you what god is doing in my life let's do this together and uh, i can i can model this a little bit of what Jesus' life looks like in mine and that'll help you out that's what's supposed to happen and let me let me tell you this that it reminds you that no matter even if you've fallen short of jesus's perfect standards even if you don't claim jesus right now He still loves you, and and, and he is still a father that seeks after you, even if you are far from him, and there is absolutely nothing that you can do to change that. In fact, there's not even anything that you can do to modify or alter it. You can't do anything to make God love you more, and there's nothing that you're going to do today or tomorrow that will make God love you any less, and that's just a truth that you need to wrap your mind around. So look at some more scripture with me. If you've got your Bible, if you've got a phone, Google Luke chapter 6. Pull it up on another webpage or something like that. I want you to see this in your Bibles. Um, scroll through some of Jesus' teaching because they're, they're important. And as you're going through Luke chapter 6, you'll get to uh, verse 37. You'll see a subheading there that, um, that, that says in a lot of translations, do not judge. I think that's important, especially based on what Jesus is going to say here in verse 43. He's talking about this natural reproduction. He says, a good tree can't produce bad fruit. And a bad tree can't produce good fruit. A tree is identified by its fruit. Figs are never gathered from thorn bushes, and grapes are not picked from bramble bushes. And whether it's the same teaching, um, or Jesus just liked using this illustration over and over again, you'll see in the Gospel of Matthew, um, he's talking about false prophets in Matthew chapter 7. Verse 15, he says, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. People pick, uh, do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, and bad. but a bad tree bears bad fruit. And a good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. No, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you'll be able to recognize them. Scott's taught before about our general and specific callings. Like, we all have one general calling here in the fall series. We can just use that definition of following Jesus, being changed by him, and being on mission with him. But that's, that's our general calling. You have a specific calling that's specific to you and your setting and even your stage in life. Right? And hopefully you're thinking, all right, yeah, this is something that I want to think about and explore some more. This is the time where you go ahead and scan that QR code, fill out a connect card, you know, say, Joel, hey, follow up with me, here's my, here's my number. Or, or say, yep, I'm going to go to that Zoom meeting and, uh, and find that on our website. We'll have the link there under the connect. But look, let me give you some examples just of what that specific calling might, might be fleshed out in your world. I heard about some, uh, some parents who were in, uh, in real deep with their kids' um, select soccer. They were traveling and uh, had, had multiple practices throughout the week. And so they realized, okay, we're followers of Jesus. There's people around us who are not followers of Jesus. And we're already in relationship with them. So let's just be intentional about that relationship that we're already there. This is, this is not them trying to, to be friendly just so that they they can uh, make followers of Jesus. No, they're already friends with them. They're already in those relationships. Now let's be intentional. And so they uh, continued being friends with them. Then they invited them to go deeper, they invited them to their house on a regular night to have a Bible study or church. And, and, uh, and through that process, they continued, you know, doing the soccer team, seeing each other at practices and having their own church where they made followers of Jesus who matured through that wheel and reproduced in being followers of Jesus. That's that's an example of what this can look like in your world. Man, um, when God woke me up to the idea that, Joel, you need to be making followers of Jesus. Like, this is where you can focus and you can, you can live this out. I was doing youth ministry. So, yeah, okay, it's pretty obvious. You know, you think that that's pretty easy, but I still had to be intentional about it. I had a group of teenage guys that were, um, that were good leaders, and so I was like, all right, well, let's, let's take them being good leaders to being, like, great Christ followers, and so um, I can't do that in my own power, but I did agree that we would get together on, a, on Wednesdays right after school, and we went and grabbed fe- speedy freezes right here. And we, we'd take them, and we'd study the Bible together. We, we'd do our life. I, I'd invite them over to my house. I'd let them see um, my, my flaws. And, and we had a good time. But, man, no matter how um, imperfectly I did that, you got to know that like God's spirit works and, and does his thing so that we aren't, the, we aren't the ones that get the glory. And if you're still suspicious that maybe this is really only for like, people who have it all together, and maybe this is only for pastors, let me tell you about my wife. I know that sounds bad, but no, she's actually a super Christian. <laughs> she is special. And she did, <clears throat> she did discipleship with some teenage girls um, a couple years back, but then in 2016, our life changed because um, we had kids of our own. This them. No, that's me. That's them. And I know they don't look like monsters. <laughs> no, but like our, her life changed, right? You, you go you, in different stage of life. She's now um, trying to raise and disciple um, two girls. She's trying to raise and disciple me. And she's, and she's got a 60-hour-a-week job that even at the end of that, if she's doing work in the evenings after we put the kids down, she still has things that is left on her to-do list to do. Does that ring a bell? Yeah, so this is for real people, okay? But I think Melissa's coming to a better realization and handle of what it looks like to make followers of Jesus right where she is because she knows she's got two spheres of influence already built into... To her life that's specific to her she's got a classroom of kids that she may not be able to preach to but they know that she's a follower of jesus i i can prove that to you because one of her kids asked her um, to be at her at this kid's baptism here in a couple of weeks yeah it's pretty cool it's not something you know that uh it, it's just no question of course she's going to go but she's going to do it um not just to be nice but because she's on purpose she wants to know wants that kid to know that other adults value the decision that she's making you know, and she's not being fake, she's being intentional, and the same with her co-workers, she's already in relationship with them, she, you know, if, if we weren't followers of Jesus who were trying to make other followers of Jesus, maybe we would just punch the clock and try and keep friendly relationships, but then go home and, and be focused on ourselves, but no, followers of Jesus are engaged wherever they are, and so Melissa was already naturally engaged in a relationship with some of her coworkers. so when one of her co-workers comes to her, and like, their life is falling apart, they They've got a family member wrapped up in addiction. Well, then that makes it pretty simple what she's going to do. She's going to go, um, even on her days off, go and have lunch with them. You know, it makes it pretty simple when one of uh, her co-workers has a, uh, um, was just chosen for, for foster care. And she's going to make sure she makes a big deal out of that. And we, we give them resources. And she's available through texts and calls and stuff like that. That's, that's what it's like being a follower of Jesus. Because this is, this is why this is important. Because life change almost always happens inside relationship life change happens inside relationship currently i've got a group of guys that we meet on a regular basis on sunday mornings and i know some of them get frustrated at me because i get on them about being regular at those meetings but it's not because we're being legalistic about the meetings it's because those meetings are the basis of our relationship and life change happens in relationship without relationship you are very unlikely to see the kind of change that that Jesus has got planned for you. You'll notice it in Jesus' own life. He doesn't trust his methods to just head knowledge transfer. He He doesn't do that. He doesn't like sit the disciples down and say, all right, we're going to go through this workbook, and at the end of the workbook, you'll be equipped to go out and make more followers of me, and you'll change the Roman world. No, that's dumb. That's not going to work. No, Jesus' model was that he was going to share his life and be in a relationship with them. So, man, yeah, if you're you're thinking, all right, I want to be a follower of Jesus who makes other followers of Jesus. Let me just predict through the wisdom of God what some of your next thoughts will be. Because there'll be an enemy who wants to stop this at a start. You have an enemy who's going to say to you, you don't have the time. You don't, you don't have the time. It's a great ideal. Maybe here when this ends or this happens or you get that, then you'll be able to do it. But but church, you can you can look that straight in the eye and be like, there is nothing about Christianity that Jesus wants me to add on. No, this is way too natural to be artificially inserted into a, a Christ follower's life. No, this is this has got to be something natural. Jesus wants me to be naturally engaged in relationships and use. And and, and be intentional about that. Satan is also going to tell you that you're not good enough, that you're not a good enough Christian. You know, this has got to be somebody who's a better Christian than you. That you're not qualified because you haven't been trained to do this. that, That you don't know how. And man... This is Satan's ploy. He always takes things that are slightly true and then, like, ignores some of the truth of Jesus and and twists it and perverts it. Yeah, you aren't qualified. Yeah, you uh, need training. Yes, you need to rely on the Holy Spirit. But the whole Christian life is about me saying, Jesus, I'm not enough, but you are. If I believed any of those lies, I'd be sunk. We, we are relying on Jesus. And so, yeah, that lie just doesn't hold any weight. What are some other hurdles that you might, might be encountering? You might, you might just think not only are you not good enough, but you might think, man, this message is for somebody else. I'm not even sure if God loves me personally. <clears throat> if you're there... Those lies have probably been ingrained for a long time. You've probably been told them over and over again, and you've listened to them and acted as if, they've true, as if they're true, and that's hard. But the reality is, the only way that you can stop believing lies is that you start believing the truth. Now, let me give you one little piece of truth straight from Jesus' mouth. See if this doesn't ring true to your soul. This is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son, so that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. So yeah, sharing your life with someone, being a spiritual mentor, no one expects you to feel 100% qualified to do that. I mean, at what point do we as humans feel 100% qualified? qualified to be parents. You're certainly not going to feel ready after uh, just a sermon or two, but why don't you give yourself encouragement that, man, Jesus wants to do this in you, and anything that Jesus wants to do, he is more than capable of. Well, I'll give you two things that really do need to be included, though, when we begin attempting to let Jesus reign in our lives. First thing, it's going to have to be a grace-filled relational environment. Again, life change happens in relationship. There's going to have to be plenty of grace. We go into all of our relationships. No, that's not true. We don't do this, but we should. We we should go into our relationships expecting people to fail us because we fail them, and and so that's where God's grace covers us. This is not a student-teacher environment, and and hopefully in this relationship, it's a more natural thing than unnatural, and this is not like uh, two people being set up on a blind date. This is, this is people who care about each other. And then the other thing that you need to do is you need to make sure that you are on mission, on the same mission. That mission of growing in your maturity of Christ with the end result being that Jesus multiplies himself through me, who multiplies himself through them, who multiplies himself through them. And, and through doing that, we'll, we'll see that we'll need to have uh, transparency and honesty. We'll need to have accountability. uh, We'll need to be serving alongside. Again, those things in the house video, those things that Jesus commanded us to do, we're doing them, and we're doing them together. We're letting people see how to do them, how Jesus does them in our lives, and that gives them an example to grow on. And yeah, doing this, you're going to need coaching and encouragement and help along the way. This is not something that's supposed to be done individually or in a silo. That's what we want to be here for. We want to resource. We want to encourage. We want to train. Uh, we want that to be the main thing that we do, and so let me, let me give you this next step, and join me on that Zoom call. We'll put the uh, QR code up here. It's going to be um, on our website, communitychristianchurch.com, but we'll, we'll do Zoom just for an hour, talk more about this, do some uh, questions and responses and stuff like that. We'll do that tomorrow at 8 p.m. Uh, hit, again, hit me up for coffee or uh, fill out a connect card, ask for prayer, things like that. We, we want to be here for that, but I'll give you this last, um, this last picture of making disciples, it was uh, just a couple of years ago that uh, one of those teenage guys grew up and, and was getting married, and he invited me to be a small part of that wedding. It was so honoring to get to to know that you know like we still had that kind of relationship, and that he he uh, respected me enough to include me. And it was at that wedding then that I was given the most encouraging thing that I've ever been given by a stranger. It was the dad of the the daughter that was getting married to this guy. So my 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 disciples his uh, his his future father-in-law stopped me at the rehearsal and said, "Thank you for investing in him. Um, like we we know that, that that makes a difference in his life." <laughs> I I was like like really encouraged by that. I was like, "Wow, I never thought when I was like spending time and doing what I just what came what came as fun and natural to me as affecting somebody outside of that group. And I was like, thank you. Thank you, that encouraged me. And he stopped me and said, no. No, you don't get it. We, we don't know where this young man would have turned out. We don't know what influences would have replaced that. We don't know if he would have been equipped to be the head of the household that my daughter is going to be a part of. He said, Jesus, working through you, change the trajectory of generations. Yeah, I was flattened because this is not this is not about what you or I are capable of doing. This is what God does through us in our feeble efforts and what he then is capable of doing if you just submit in obedience. Church, that's that's what you want. You want to be in that natural progression that Jesus has planned for your life, that natural reproduction. Uh, production. You want to be involved in that. You want to see that come. And when we do, we will get to see, hopefully, the effects uh, of that, the effects in the people and the families around you, the effects in the county around us, the effects of the country for generations, for the rest of eternity. God, we thank you for involving us in your work, that, that we don't even have to be good enough or strong or smart enough, that you, that you take us the way that we are, that you saved us for a purpose, that we now can have a real, full life like you promised us in John 10.10. 10. A life that's so much fuller than just being about us and what we can do and what we can get and accomplish. But Jesus, what you can do and what you can get and accomplish, God, we pray that that would begin here. And that you would continue it in, that you would, that you would block the enemy's lies and the enemy's the stumbling blocks, God. That we would just continue to, to be more submissive to you, that we would be able to be changed And on mission with you, God, we pray these things in your son's spirit. Amen.